This week on Overtime, we start a new series called Broken Crowns, where we take a look at the life of some of Israel's villainous kings. Today, we start with this idea of wisdom. You don't want to miss it. Make sure you like and subscribe. Let's get it. Welcome to Center City Overtime, a weekly podcast where we take a little more time to dive into Sunday's message. And this is one that I've been excited about, I think, for a couple months now. Okay. Um, we started a new series. Yes. And there's something that I love. We do this, I say every summer. This is our second summer. Yeah. <laughs> but we, we try to take the summer and do kind of a longer look, kind of marching through a book of scripture. And this year we decided to go all the way back to the Old Testament and look at First and Second Kings, but we're doing it kind of in a different way than you would expect. You want to talk a little bit about the angle we took? Yeah, so often when we consider scripture, we put ourselves in the place of the hero. And there's nothing wrong with that. I mean, uh, who doesn't want to storm the castle or be the one on the battlefield facing the giant or be the one in the king's court um, com- confronting political corruption? Um, but I think sometimes if we're not careful, what we'll miss is on the other side of the equation that there's something that we can learn from the villain, some things that could help teach us how to avoid some of their shortcomings and ultimately uh, avoid heartbreak in our own life. So that's kind of what we've done. We walked through first and second king and picked seven or eight of these villainous kings. And and to to our conversation, like um, so much of this was difficult because quite honestly all the kings within the nature of their own humanity had some failures, but these are the wicked ones, yeah. for lack of a better term. Yeah, yeah. And we're calling it Broken Crowns. I don't know if we said that yet yeah. or not, but I just think it's such a cool picture. And it it's both kind of a lighthearted, but also sobering way to look at scripture of like, yeah, let's, let's pull out the bad guys that we don't tend to get sermons on and yeah. learn from, but then also let's examine ourselves and see where we may be closer to their personalities and behavior than maybe we want to admit. And uh, <laughs> but I get yeah. the scary part of the whole process. <laughs> I'm, oh, wow, I'm not too far. <laughs> I, know. I know. Sometimes I think God has just saved me because if I were given the amount of wealth and power that some of these kings had, I don't know that I would have done any better with it than they did, but he's just protecting me from myself. Um, by not giving me all of that. <laughs> so, Yay, we're broke. <laughs> um, but this week we talked about Rehoboam. I did go online after yesterday and was like, how to say this name? And they said Rehoboam, like rehab. Yeah. And then Oam. Well, that's where I started the day at. I started at Rehoboam. And I know that because that was my kind of memorization technique was I was going to say Rehoboam. And then I walked in on Sunday and said it one time, and everybody looked at me funny, like, am I saying this wrong? So, yeah. Like, oh my God. I was like, we call him Riri, but then I pictured Rihanna in a crown, and then that like totally okay. derailed off a little imagination. So, we'll do our best today. <laughs> um, but what I kind of want to do is a little bit different from what we've been doing in overtime in the past, is I kind of want to take the bigger picture of what we learned from Rehoboam and then go back and talk about how it kind of applies to his life. So, Sorry for throwing you a curveball, but what we talked a lot about on Sunday was wisdom. Yeah. And so I thought we can have a conversation around what wisdom is and then go back and look at Rehoboam's life and why maybe he could have used some more wisdom. 
Um, so, fun. yeah, here we go. Here we go. Wisdom. Um, you looked into Proverbs, I think it was. And how does, how does the book of Proverbs define wisdom? Well, the book of Proverbs actually gives us the foundation for wisdom. Um, not as much as a, a definition. I think James does a better job of kind of defining it for mm-hmm. us. But Proverbs does a really good job of saying this is where wisdom begins. And I think it's critical that if we're going to talk through wisdom, we have to know where it starts. And he says fairly clearly that the fear of God is the beginning of all wisdom. And that's a passage that so many of us have heard in the past. I think just culturally, though, we don't like the idea of fear. So because we don't like the idea of fear, we never really fully step into a good grasp on what it means to fear God. So really, when we're talking about wisdom, that's the first part of the conversation. Yeah, and I, I do kind of want to sit on that because I laughed almost out of embarrassment when you talked about the no fear generation and how we all had like t-shirts that said no fear and then we were doing stupid things that were hurting us with our no fear t-shirts on. Yeah. Um, so what is what does it mean to fear God? Yeah, so it's not like someone, like my boys now have this thing where they like to jump out and scare people. Um, no. I've been a victim of that. Yeah, Mike has got like a running counter. Like, so he'll come there and say, six people. I got six people just now. Um, it's not like that type of ooh, scary fear. Um, the actual, like to, to understand that word within its context, it's more like reverence, um, more like uh, awe is a is probably a be- even a better word is that that awe and reverence of the God that we serve. So, for so many of us, the best way to kind of picture that is we've ever been in the in the presence of something that's so mighty and so powerful and so big that it kind of takes our breath away. Mm-hmm. Um, that's probably a, the best picture of that idea of fear that we find here. Yeah, you talked about whale watching, yes. right? Like that was your example. Yes. I, I mean, it was funny because in between services, there's the there's like 30 minutes and we had a chance to talk to a bunch of people and um, people were like, oh man, for me it was the Niagara Falls. So if you've ever been to Niagara Falls, you know what I'm talking about. Just the power of that thing, the nonstop noise. Um, we went to the Amazon and we got a chance to see the, the, I think they call it the meeting of the waters, where these two incredible bodies of water meet and you're just amazed at the sheer scope of it. Um, for Jess and I, one of the experiences with respect at that type or all that kind and I was we went whale watching and we saw all these crazy whales and at first it was kind of cool they were all at a distance you could kind of see them coming um but their whales do this thing where they um create a bubble pattern before they surface and sometimes that surfacing they just you know kind of close their their mouths in order to catch the krill that they're eating and um one of the bigger whales started creating a circle right next to the boat and that's where the boat went from oh that's cool oh that's cute to grab the kids and pull them away from the side of the boat like everybody was freaking out a little bit because you can't ignore something that big and just the sheer size of it i think we in 2023 have done a horrible job when it comes to how we view god we've forgotten how big he is um and yet I'm going to also say as big as God is, so much of what God does through Jesus is say, as big as I am, I want you close. Mm -hmm. So there's that compelling nature to the vast depth of the strength of our God, that depth of the knowledge of our God. Um, So the bigness of God also draws us close. Yeah, I think that's a really interesting way to put it, because on the one hand, we do kind of have this 
cultural draw toward courage, almost like beyond courageous. We're just like, we're not supposed to be afraid of everything because we're supposed to be in control. But I think we also kind of are pulled away from awe. Like it's not, it's not that common anymore to be awed by things around us because we just like, I don't know, like we know better. We know how to control everything. And there is something. That's the key though. I think you just said it. The reason we stay away from that type of thing is because it means that we're not in control. Yeah. So reason we don't reverence God the way that we should is because often we're trying to play the role of God. Mm-hmm. And he's additive versus him being everything and us being under his influence and control. Yeah, yeah. I um, I feel like sometimes just like how have I lived this life that God's let me live. But it reminds me of the year that I lived in Tanzania. I love elephants, giraffes, zebras, all of these animals. I grew up going to see them in the zoo and would spend like so much time just kind of sitting by pens and watching them. Like I'm that kid that all my my brothers would be like, we want to move on, we want to move on. I'm like, no, I just want to sit and watch. And then when I lived in Tanzania, the first ones that I ever saw just like out in the wild were giraffes crossing the road that we were trying to drive on. And it was this like, it was just so different from seeing them in the zoo when you're like, oh my gosh, they could go any direction that they want to. Like, what's going to happen right now? Like, but also let's follow them because how cool is that? Um, It is, it's good for us to recognize that we're not in control, especially when God is so trustworthy with that control, but it's scary. Yeah, but I, I think that that's where wisdom begins, mm-hmm. right? Like we sort of writer of Proverbs. Yeah. So we avoid fear and yet everyone would probably admit that some level of fear is actually healthy. And mm-hmm. you saw um, a venomous snake in the middle of the road or heard the hissing of a, of a rattle, you know, um, probably don't put your hand on that rock. They'll sit down <laughs> in that brush, right? Um, if you see oncoming traffic, you want to get out of the way. So to 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 live with this sense of grandeur and awe and reverence for God, that's where wisdom begins. That's that's the point that we can make the type of decision, the type of decisions that God honors. So we we talk about wisdom, and I think a lot of times we just assume it's kind of the same as knowledge, because you can you can use a lot of the same words around it. You learn it, you gain it. And yet it, it's really not the same. And you had a great, really simple example about rain. Yeah. I don't know if you want to share that again to kind of differentiate. Oh, yeah. Um, I'm sure I stole this from either Pastor Billy or Pastor Max. But I remember at a young, young age in Fort Lauderdale being taught the idea that wisdom is saying it's raining outside. So knowledge. Uh, knowledge is saying it's raining <laughs> outside. So knowledge is the gathering of facts and information. Um, the educate, like when we educate ourselves with random information. When we Google things like crazy, because you want to know the answer. Um, we ask the questions to artificial intelligence. Yeah. Not uh, that I do that all the time. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> um, wisdom is the the experience that's necessary to respond to the information. So if it's raining outside is knowledge. Wisdom is probably should get a umbrella. Mm-hmm. Um, I can't tell you how many times I've got caught in the rain. And my mom at the beginning of the day said something like, it's going to rain at two o'clock. Now she knows that because she has a ton of knowledge, you know, weather in the morning, she checked on the internet, she knew I was there was going to be a rainstorm at two o'clock in Fort Lauderdale, also experienced, Fort Lauderdale rained every day at two. 
And um, often she would say, make sure you have your umbrella, make sure you have a jacket, something of that nature. And when I didn't trust in my mom's wisdom, uh, knowledge, I, wisdom, sorry, I found myself in situations where I knew everything I needed to know, but I didn't respond in wisdom. So that's kind of the two things. It's, yeah. yeah. And I love that the example that you gave was your mom, because often wisdom, you can't like speed through it. Yeah. You can't cram and get wisdom in the same way that it's not a great idea, but you can technically cram and suddenly have a lot more knowledge. And um, and you, you spent a little while that was, well, and full disclosure, it was difficult for me because I was so far on the older end of the spectrum that you broke people into, and I'm still getting used to that. But um, talking about algal, <laughs> glad to be here, um, how we can't speed up the process of getting wisdom. So then what would you say to someone whether they're on the younger end or not, who like does have that desire, but it can be, it just can be a little daunting to think that I can't rush this. So what do I do if I want that wisdom? Yeah. So, um, Solomon is a key character in this study because he kind of sets the tone. Now we're talking about villains in the old Testament or through the, the book of Kings. And when we talk about Solomon, often we think of the wisdom of Solomon. Well, um, I would, I would, I would submit that Solomon's wisdom was first. So there's this moment where he prayed and asked for wisdom, mm -hmm. and there's this moment where the Spirit of God gives Solomon wisdom. Um, so James would say the way that we gain wisdom, wisdom is through experience, but we can also ask the Spirit of God to give us wisdom, which we did at the end of the service. That was kind of that prayer point. Um, but I would also say that wisdom isn't just this thing that instinctually kind of drops into us. It's also the people that we surround ourselves with. We find um, Rehoboam, still saying it wrong. Rehoboam. Rehoboam. Um, I'm just going to point to you so you can say it. Red word. Uh, <laughs> so Rehoboam, we find Rehoboam at the beginning of his tenure as king, surrounded with the same wisdom that Solomon was surrounded with. Solomon gave Rehoboam his wise counsel. And his wise counsel were men who had experience. So if you are, you know, younger and haven't had all the experiences like Rehoboam did it, um, it there is one thing to to kind of try to do it yourself. But there's another thing to say to lean on the wisdom of others to like mm -hmm. sit in that place. That's why Scripture is so clear about the importance of a multifaceted community yeah. of people, right? Like that we have those who have gone before that can teach and inspire. Those who haven't gone yet that have all the energy to do and to work. Um, so for the sake of the community, we're working in wisdom. Mm -hmm. um, if there's nothing but older people, we have a lot of wisdom with no energy. And if there's nothing but younger people, we have a lot of energy with no wisdom. So finding yourself in the place, wisdom is also the something that we can glean from other people, but it does still require the work of relationship. It's not quick. You got to figure out yeah. who you can trust. It's a neat, it's a natural process and it takes time. We just don't like hearing that it takes that this doesn't get solved in four four steps this isn't something that you just come to an altar and you get wisdom and you walk away that's not how that works yeah and i do want to get into rehoboam's story but you said something really quickly that i think is important um that when you when you're kind of choosing those people that you are surrounding yourself with who are speaking into you knowing that they've had experience with the lord knowing like age isn't really as important yeah. in this i mean it Age is important, but there's somewhere in the Bible, I don't remember where, it talks about how the wisdom of the world is foolish to God. Mm -hmm. And I 
think if we rush to say, okay, I want wisdom, I'm just gonna surround myself with people who seem wise without taking that time to really pray and discern and listen to God, you might surround yourself with people who are foolish, Yes, but they, they're like seeming wise because they're wise in the ways of the world. And I know that's kind of yeah. confusing. No, I, I think it's, it's, I think it's important to consider the people that you bring yourself or that you bring around um, are people that you aspire to be like. Mm-hmm. So if you're looking for mentorship as a dad, um, how are how are this per, how how are these how how is these this person's kids? Mm-hmm. If you're looking for some a mentorship in marriage, what's that marriage look like? If you're looking for mentorship in ministry, what's that ministry look like? And deep dive, like what is the what's it look like behind the scenes when you're yeah. watching? Like for me, um, I'm I'm a, a product of people who brought me into their homes, so I could see the way they dealt with their kids, the the way they dealt with their wives, and from that. You know, as as in it, you may think that this is a horrible thought, but there's a part of me that's picking and choosing, saying, "Man, this guy has some wisdom when it comes to how his car functions." His car's oh, like, yeah. hey, you know what I mean? Like, you have a big and choose. Just yeah. don't tell everyone that you haven't chosen. <laughs> yeah, so learn by there. There's some coof there, and that's wisdom that Ashley is handing off now in her elderly state. But um, no, legitimately, I, I love that point. You, you just be careful because that. Again, that takes time. Mm-hmm. Um, I was talking to a mom before so between services, and one of the things she asked is, "How do I teach this to my kid?" And I'm like, "You know, the hard part with your kid is the only way to really gain wisdom like that is they're going to have to go through some things and learn from it." Mm-hmm. Well, but I, you know, there's that nature within us to protect our kids, and we don't want them to scrape their knees. But the truth is, the only way they ri- learn to ride a bike is falling off a bike a bunch, mm-hmm. and wisdom is one of those things that takes some experience. Yeah. And I, so it kind of brings us back around to the situation that Rehoboam finds himself in as he starts to be king. Rehoboam was Solomon's son, so David's grandson. So yep. we're not actually that far removed from David. And what had happened is we talked about Solomon at the beginning of his reign. He was just after God, wanted wisdom. Yeah. Towards the end of his tenure as king, he had kind of drifted, not kind of, he had drifted. And one of the symptoms, I guess, of that drift was that he was exploiting some of the people, um, not to the worst extent that we will see as we study kings, but um, but the, the workers had gotten to a point, even under Solomon, where the people were just like, we don't want to be oppressed like this, like, you can't treat us this way, and there was already a little bit of, like, stirring of rebellion happening, and then Solomon dies and Rehoboam becomes king, and that that sense is still there, so what I think is so fascinating is the people that he calls to the room first are the people who were around Solomon who learned from what Solomon had done wrong, kind of speaking to your point of sometimes we don't just gain wisdom by making the right choices. Yeah, no, we gain wisdom by learning from when we've made the wrong choices. And so their response to Rehoboam was, you need to give the people what they're asking for, lay off of them, let them go home, like don't make them build all the stuff for you and everything will be fine. And then that's where we see Rehoboam be the bad example because yeah. <laughs> does he listen to them? <laughs> <laughs> no, I, I think this is a pivotal part in the story. So um, I, I, I just, as I read it, the question becomes why he didn't listen to him. Mm-hmm. Because so what he does next is he goes to a group of friends, uh, a group of people who are his age that he grew up with. Um, and then placed in position of advisor. Yeah. So Sorry, there is so much I saw just in that little statement. Yeah. No. Oh. Yeah. <laughs> um, 
it became, my boys are here, it's our turn now, and we're going to do this thing our way. And you see a lot of haughtiness. You see a lot of ego. Um, she instantly compares himself to his father. Here's one of the greatest kings in the history of Israel. And his son's first act is to compare himself to the great, one of the greatest kings in the history. You know, you got David, who's kind of the forefather at this point of the Yeah, they've only been two kings in the history of Israel, but, but they were. <laughs> but Saul had been great expansion of the kingdom. Of he Israel. built the temple, the temple. like. I mean, even landmass. Like David was the the king of war. Um, it's why it's why Solomon built the temple because David wanted to, but God said, "No, no, your son hands will not touch war. Like they will not see blood the way that yours did. So he'll build my temple, which I think is a beautiful picture, right? But he's this economic giant because of his wisdom, and we see the kingdom of Israel's influence economically, politically, socially just expand. Um, and in that expansion. Again, towards the, at the end of his career, you see, or at the end of his life, you see Solomon slowly start drifting away from the things of the Lord. So Rehoboam is kind of stuck, and he instantly makes this comparison where he's like, you know, my father's, my, my, my pinky fingers as thick as my father's waist, which <laughs> I don't, know. don't know exactly what it means, but you can tell it's, it's, it's harsh. It's harsh. <laughs> well, I mean, I think there's a comparison to strength. He's just wanting to know, like, oh, got it. I'm not big. Like, I'm, I'm, my dad was big, but I'm bigger and I'm going to show you. Yeah, I have more strength in my power. pinky finger than my, yeah. I think one of the things the advisor says is telling because the, the advisor says, if you want to be a servant to these people for the rest of your life, I think Rehoboam saw the people as servants. He didn't see himself as a servant of the people. Both David and Solomon at the beginning, at least, both saw themselves as servants of the people. Right. Rehoboam was like, no, the people are here, the people are here to serve me. So um, what we see there is a corruption of character through a lack of wisdom. He chose the advice of young men and, and it's funny because young men in this picture are like 40 years old <laughs> so they're, they're not yes yeah <laughs> yeah so um they also lived a little longer but anyway all that to say what we see here in this picture is he chose to ignore the wisdom of wise counsel and eventually what we see is this the splintering of this kingdom um you know judah in Israel split, the northern kingdoms take a new king, Jeroboam. Jeroboam. Jerob Jeroboam. He's one of my favorites. We'll talk about him. Yeah. So <laughs> Jeroboam, um, and we see the split of the nation, and the city of David becomes kind of the only thing that's left to the reign of this incredible family dynasty. Mm -hmm. um, Which God really did out of what he had promised David. David. Not because he thought Rehoboam deserved it in any way. Absolutely. And when it was all said and done, the only time Israel is united again is under extreme persecution. So not only do we find that the children of God kind of lose out on the fullness of the promise, the, 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 the lineage of David does also. Yeah. I, um, there's so much when you're looking at a king, like the, the ripple effects are huge. And yet when you kind of boil it down, it makes me think of how many times do you have a situation where you kind of know what choice you're supposed to make, yeah. but it might not be what you want to make. And then you know which friends are going to give you which advice. Yeah. You know what I'm saying? Where it's like, well, if I know, I know if I talk to this friend about it, they're going to encourage me maybe to pray, maybe to do that thing that is best that I don't want to. But if I talk to this person about it, they're that one who's like, I support you, whatever you're going to do. And like, I feel like we have all 
was just on a greater scale doing that where he's like, I don't really like what these guys had to say to me, but I know my boys are going to be like, yeah, do whatever you want to do. Yeah. <laughs> just Well, I think, again, I think it's all in this grab for power. Mm-hmm. And quite honestly, he hadn't had the same life experience that his father or his grandfather had. And in that, we find often when you rush people to power and finance and, and they can get anything they want and do whatever they want without the struggle to get there, often you find people who are weak in character and, and not leaning into wisdom. Yeah. Yeah. So what would you hope that we as a community would take away from learning from Rehoboam's mistakes? I mean, wisdom, like that you would pursue wisdom. Um, James says that when we pray for wisdom, that that God will not deny us, like he gives wisdom generously, which I, I love that picture, um, that there's not just wisdom, but wisdom to overflow, um, wisdom for you, wisdom for your family, that your family lineage can change because of the wisdom that's instilled in you. So seek wisdom. Um, I would also hope that it compels you to get a new understanding of the fear of God. Mm-hmm. i got a funny feeling this isn't the last time we talk about that yeah I, like i got a sense even in that message that 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 moment was pregnant with potential like if the church can reimagine the fear of god get a better glimpse of it i don't think we have as many issues as we currently have with things that should that that scriptures resolve that that god has already laid out this is bad this is good and we're in this place where we're struggling and because we don't we don't mm-hmm. have a, a good healthy sense of it. and that struggle it's not just that we're struggling, it's that it's keeping us from the work of the kingdom. Absolutely. Because we're distracted by it. Absolutely. Yeah. Which yeah. drives me nuts. I know. But I know. That's another conversation absolutely. for another day. another day. So I do I do think the fear of God, a healthy sense of the fear of God, like if we can grow in that, and that ultimately it would also point us back to one of our core beliefs here that we're better when we're connected in community. So if you're... Um, you know, young men and young women, and you're engaged at Center City, our, our prayer is that you would connect with community, um, with some old people like Pastor Ashley. Um, <laughs> but I, like even our marriage intensive, we were really intentional. We have people who are sitting at tables um, that have been married for more than 20 years, people who have not been married for more than five, and people who are get thinking about getting married during that engaged state mm-hmm. at every table, because we want that community. Okay. So seek wisdom, fear God, find people, I think would be my takeaway from not just this series, but it's yeah, easy. Yeah. I'm going to add one more because I can. I would also say if you're like me and it's a little bit hard for you to see yourself as that person who has wisdom to offer, that can be pride disguised. So pray about what you may have to offer on that side of the conversation too. Absolutely. Um, and don't go home and just be upset that you're on the older end. Um, woo, woo. It's fun to be old. It's, um, so we are just at the beginning. We're going to be in this series, Broken Crowns, for quite a while. And next week, we're going to actually be talking about Jeroboam, who we referenced briefly today. So you don't want to miss it. Sunday morning, 9 a.m. and 11 a.m. in person, 11 a.m. streaming on YouTube and Facebook. We would love to see you there. Absolutely. Absolutely.